of an update on the Ohio University murders. There's a woman who lives near the scene of the Idaho murders. and She says her adorable mini Australian shepherd was filleted weeks before the quadruple slaying. Sparks fears of the same creep behind both attacks. Pam and Jim Colbert's dog buddy, a mini Australian shepherd, they're an elderly couple. He was filleted just three weeks away from where four, just three miles away from where four students were brutally murdered weeks later. Sparking fears the same warp creep may be behind both attacks. Pam and Jim Colbert's dog, he was skinned, he was sliced after being let out of their home in Moscow. Now, I recently got a message from somebody who lives in the area. I'm going to read it for you right now. They hit me up on noagendasocial.com, and you can too. It's an alternative to Twitter. I've been on it for years. And they said, Moscow hasn't had a single murder in seven years. I'm really close to this place and shaking the crap out of lots of people. So they haven't had a murder in seven years. And right around the same time, this elderly couple gets their dog filleted. And, of course, there's a murder at the university. So naturally, people might think the same warp creep was involved in this. Pam78 says the 12-year-old pooch who'd been rescued from a puppy mill only had fur left on his legs and face after being defiled by an unknown sicko. This is from the newspaper dailymail.co.uk. She's been left badly shaken by the attack on her animal, which is first discovered by the Colbert's neighbor. Pam and others now fear the warp creep who disemboweled her pet may also be behind the slings of the students at the university. But this is only a mile away. Cops have not made that connection and are believed to be investigating both incidents separately. Now the lady recalled the horrific discovery. She said that the police department supervisor said that their dog had been skinned. It was like a deer that someone had hunted. Pam Colbert said they cut him around the neck and just skinned him. His little legs had fur and his little face had fur, but the rest of him was just skinned. The other side of him as though they had filleted him like they were about to eat him. It was terrible, unbelievable. They cut him like a fish fillet. We found his collar, but we didn't find the belt. A, a, uh, Latah County Sheriff's deputy sent to take photos from a from a report confirmed Buddy's killer was human. Commenting on her bet her pet's killing and the quadruple murder, Pam added, "Everybody's very nervous and scared. There's something awful and evil." She and Jim, seventy three, had lived in their home for some thirty nine years. Have now taken to locking their doors for the first time. It's horrific. Put a link to this story. In the podcast show notes. It was just a mile down the road from the dog's death. So if if it was somebody who knew the students that were murdered at the university, well, then they might not necessarily live in that area. But if it is a serial killer or someone just did it to kill, and actually more than two would be considered a serial killer, right? then it would more than likely be somebody who lived in the area. And it would it would make sense that 
possibly, maybe it is this dog, maybe it is related. You're listening to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. Thank you for joining me. In today's episode, if there's any comments or questions that you have any about any of these stories, especially about the Idaho University murders that's shocking the nation and shaking me down to the core, if you have any ideas of what might be going on, who this murderer might be, you can let us know. Now, I do want to say this. The... The sister of Kylie Goncalves said that the police have a lot of evidence. And they say this is why they think this is a young person that did it. And I went to this on a previous broadcast. That's why they think it's a young person. It was very sloppy. They have mountains of evidence, but they're processing it. And it takes a while. It's not like uh, CSI on TV. This is real life. It takes a while. It takes a while to get a DNA profile. It takes a while to identify one drop of blood from a a separate drop of blood. And usually when there's a murder using a sharp object in this instance, they say it was a K bar. Then the attacker, especially as violently as this attacker attacked those four college students, then they usually cut themselves and they say there was bloody it was horrible, but there's a mountain of evidence. They're not going to give us all the, their evidence. They are giving us some, and the way this family and the way this police department is uh, conducting themselves with the news media, and they had a they had another press conference last night that we went over. Uh, you can see that on our YouTube video. At the very end is when we we talked about that. But they're doing this. They're they're interacting with public like I've ne- not seen happen before. I'd say it's a new social media age from the parents down to the children now. So this is all new territory, but they, they're not telling us all the information that they have. So if you have a theory about this, I would sure like to hear it. The phone number you can call in, leave up to three-minute voicemail message is 325-261-0892. Leave up to a three-minute voicemail message. I'll play it on the show and we'll talk about it. Three two five two six one zero eight nine two. That is three two five two six one zero eight nine two. You can also send us an email. That is midnightrad.io one zero one at gmail.com. Midnightrad.io one zero one at gmail.com. We're available on all your podcast apps. That's probably how you're listening to us now, as a matter of fact. And in our show notes, we're gonna have a link to everything we're talking about right now, and also link to our email and our phone number and all that. Last week, we brought to you the Lucy Letby case, and we have an update on that. I'll play it for you right now. Actually, I'll, I'll tell it to you right now. So, she's on trial right now. Uh, yesterday, a doctor in the UK testified in the trial of the alleged killer, nurse Lucy Letby, recounted how one baby's condition deteriorated after being treated by the criminally charged nurse. He said, it's nothing like I've seen before. He was a consultant. He is a consultant, a pediatrician consultant, who was a register at the time. Letby was working at Countess of Chester Hospital, neonatal unit, between 2015 and 2016. 
He explained that he was called into a room by Letby when a child began vomiting blood. And within an hour, the child's condition began rapidly deteriorating with purple patches appearing on his stomach. Harkness said that he knew the child was in critical condition, but did not believe at first that the baby would die. An hour later, the child was dead. It happened right in front of our faces as we were standing there, Harkness told the court. Letby, 32 is standing trial in England for allegedly murdering seven babies and attempting to murder ten more. The prosecutor said Letby injected some infants with insulin or milk. I'll say that again. The prosecutor said that Letby injected some infants with insulin or milk, while others she injected with air. She allegedly attempted to kill one baby three times. Letby was a constant malevolent presence in the neonatal unit of the hospital in northwestern England, Prosecutor Nick Johnson argued before jury when the trial commenced in September. Johnson told jurors a poisoner was at work at the hospital, which he said had been marked by a significant rise in the number of babies who were dying and in the number of serious catastrophic collapses. After January 2015, before which he said its rates of infant mortality were comparable to other busy hospitals. Investigator found Letby was the common denominator and that the infant deaths aligned with her shifting work hours. Another thing she was doing is she was contacting the families of the dead infants, the infants that she allegedly killed until the hospital had to step in and say, you're not doing that anymore. And on her phone, when the police or the constables confiscated it, they found that she was saving those, those messages. Here's a few comments that people have about this article. You rely on hospitals to make you better, not worse. It's not the first time I've seen bad things in a hospital. Spend two months in ICU with a family member, and you'll see all kinds of bad things. And then somebody put, so Planned Parenthood makes $23 million a year selling the parts of 6.9 million murdered baby parts. Why is everyone so upset over seven? And this is our final comment here. I personally experienced a situation where the ICU nurse caused internal harm to my loved one. My complaints to the state about the nurse were internally investigated, unquote. Then one of the state nursing board members did an offline interview with me once i answered her questions she was as mad as i was she started asking for evidence and mysteriously separated from the nursing board shortly afterwards the case was then abruptly closed by a brand new investigator as no evidence without any requests from me their nursing staff i tried to warn their nursing staff had tried to warn me that all of the nurses patients were dying he worked for three nights and cleared out a lot of beds in his three shifts. There was a camera in the room in the hallway the whole time with signs that it was being recorded. Nothing was reviewed. This is the same hospital administration that was just found dumping patients into the UMC State Hospital parking lot. The UMC State Hospital parking lot. There's some real serious issues with these facilities. They're keeping the public out of 12. They're keeping the public out for 12 hours a day and doing whatever they want to you at night.
If there was ever a time for investigations into medical care at night, it's now. Reopen the hospitals to the public. Stop this madness. These are some powerful statements. Have you had a... Have you had experience to have a loved one in the hospital and have them treated very badly? I have. If you have, I'd like to hear from you about this. Again, that's 325-261-0892. There was a story that we went over recently. It was a can't remember the guy's name, but he was a serial killer. He was a nurse and he was working at night and he would move to different hospitals. And his friend who was a nurse also, she convinced him into, into uh, confessing and they turned it into a movie on Netflix. It's called the good nurse. So I, I really want to see that or recommend you do too. It was a few broadcasts down the line ago, but the nurse said that the hospital that he worked for, they knew about this and they knew he was doing it for a while. And they had to keep allowing him to do this to actually have evidence against him. And then when they had evidence against him, well, then they had a problem because if they didn't sweep it under the rug, they were liable. This is how he went from hospital to hospital. The hospitals have to cover their backside when they have someone actively murdering their in, in their facilities. So rather than be out millions of dollars, they pass them on to the next hospital. And this is how this happens. This needs to be investigated, and this does need to be reformed. We're going to continue with these stories in the future right here on Midnight Radio. I've got some bad news for you today, Uh, although all my news is bad, is it not? But some of you might remember the Green Power Ranger. He's passed away. That's Jason David Frank. He was a Green Power Ranger. He died in Texas. Uh, His representation asked for privacy for the family. It is not known why he dies. He died right now. He most recently filmed Legend of the White Dragon, a film that was partially funded with a Kickstarter, included other past Power Ranger cast members. Frank was also an avid martial artist, mixed martial artist, and uh, I believe he was a member of the MMA, and he was 49 years old. We don't know why I passed away. When we do, I'll pass that on to you. There's a story we had a few days ago, another one. This is an update. I would call it an update. There was a Phoenix family that was murdered in their home. It was quite a nice home. It's reported that the family's babysitter made the grisly discovery. Two infants were among the five family members found dead inside their North Phoenix home in what is now being investigated as a murder-suicide. Police said two adults and three children had obvious signs of trauma, but the causes of death have not been released yet. The five were identified as 44-year-old Michael Hudgens, 40-year-old Marla Hudgens, and the couple's three children, three-year-old Christopher, six-month-old twin girls, Gwen and Faye. Authorities said Jason Hudgens is a lone suspect in the homicide case and was found with an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Police said details about what led up to the incident remain under investigation, 
but early information indicates there were open propane tanks inside the home and a gas line that was not attached to a kitchen appliance. Legend's babysitter called 911 after entering the home Wednesday morning and finding one of the bodies. Police, city firefighters, and hazardous material teams were dispatched in relation to a possible gas leak. Police did not go into the house for several hours over safety concerns, but reported finding five bodies after the house was secured around noon. Let's see if I can play this news for you. And no. Our last broadcast, we went over a new serial killer, although I wouldn't call him very new since he he died. He's dead already, and he died in his 70s, and he actually killed over seven, 70 women. That's what his daughter claims anyway. Her name is Lucy Studi McKitty. She goes by the name Lucy McKitty. She's 53, and she claims her father... Donald Dean Studley killed between 50 and 70 women over the course of three decades, possibly more. Those are the ones she remembers. It is said the police are planning a second excavation. The first one was reported to have cost $300,000 and nothing was found. But Lucy said that there was no excavation and it didn't cost any money because there was no excavation. That's what she says. That is false is what she says. According to Lucy, her father made her and her siblings transport the victims' bodies in a rural Iowa location before they were dumped in a 100-foot well. Donald, he died in 2013 at the age of 75. He'd be one of the worst serial killers in history if Lucy's claims are true. She said that her father's victims would be hauled by a wheelbarrow during the summer months and toboggan in the winter, dumped in the well. The well has been covered. Now, the sheriff says he claims it's been a rumor for years that Studley used to dump his victims' remains in his Thurman property. Now, the sheriff says that Lucy told them in 2007 and they went out there and there was only one well on the property that they could see. They didn't realize it was on the other people's property. There were cadaver dogs that went to the site and had several hits for dead bodies in one place multiple times. But no human remains have been found yet. They're planning a second excavation. It was planned for next month, which would be December. I'm not thinking it's going to happen until spring. She said that her father would lure his victims, most were sex workers, before killing them in the hills and dumping their remains in the well. She alleged that her father got quickly angry and would either shoot or stab his victims. Most of the women had dark hair, were between the ages of 20 and 30, except for a 15-year-old runaway and wore jewelry, according to Lucy. He would keep their gold teeth as trophies. Now, those trophies should be somewhere, shouldn't they? 
Donald's two wives. These are all coincidences, right? I don't believe in coincidences. Donald's two wives also died in a shocking way, both by suicide with one choosing the method of strangulation and another by gunshot wound. While Lucy stands by her allegations, her sister, Susan Studi, denies any wrongdoing by father. Susan told Newsweek that while her father was strict, he was not a killer. My father was not the man she makes him out to be, Susan said. He was strict, but he was a protective parent who loved his children. She added, strict fathers don't just turn into serial killers. And uh, Lucy made a statement, and she responded directly to this from her sister. She said, hey, what I'm saying is true. What you're saying about me has no basis in fact. It's not something you've seen. It's something that our father told you about, and it's something that you're repeating, and you just remember the things he said. So we have all these coincidences I just went over with you. And we have this last part. Let me read it to you again. I want to give you my analysis of this because I think this tells all. And this is what Susan said. She said, my father was not the man she makes him out to be. He was strict, but he was a protective parent who loved his children. She, act, she added that strict fathers don't just turn into serial killers. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you this. There's something in the Bible, an un, the unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And according to the Bible, God is love, is love. God is love, and it also tells you what complete love is. Love is not jealous. Love is kind. Love is patient. And a lot of other things that love is. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit? Well, what is my spirit? What is your spirit? Sometimes you're mean. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're jovial. Some people are kind. Some people are malevolent. That is a spirit. What is the spirit of the matter? So God's spirit is love. What's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It is saying that God's spirit is something that it is not. What does that mean? This is an example of that. It is hitting somebody, for example, or punishing somebody sadistically, malevolently, and saying it's because I love you. Evil people do that. There's child molesters that do that. I'm just doing this to you because I love you. And that is unforgivable. And if you're listening to what her sister says, this is a sign of that. It is an absolute sign of that, him telling his daughters that I do this because I love you. Think about that. Do I believe... Lucy, I do. I do. I think, and if it turns out that this is false, which I don't believe it is, then I will be shocked. But I'm there with her. Until proven wrong, I'm there with her. I got something else going on in England. Another axe murder. They might not have guns in England. It might be outlawed, but they have a lot of knife stabbings and they've had a lot of axe murders kate Kenyon murdered a man who said axe death was accident was gelled andrew burfield admitted kate Kenyon's murder on the 22nd of april on the third day of his trial at the preston crown court 
His sister told the court the mother of two, who was hit 12 times to the head, had tried to stop him doing what he did to her and to other women, and it cost her her life. The 51-year-old was jailed for life with a minimum of 32 years. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this police and murder was very beautiful. Speaking after sentencing, Chief Inspector Al Davies said Burfield of Todd Morden Road, Burnley, was a wicked, deceitful bully who sought to isolate Katie from her family so he could control and manipulate her. He first sent bailiffs to her house, revealing, reveling in the distress that it caused her, and then sought to rekindle the relationship all to lure Katie to the woods where he would murder her in the most heinous of circumstances. In a statement to what she read of the court, Sarah Kinley Holden said her sister told her family that she wanted to stop Andrew Burfield from being able to do what he did to other women. She wanted to stop him. She wanted answers. This cost her life. She was 33 years old. When he was first arrested and interviewed four times, he denied any knowledge of her whereabouts. The prosecutor said that in his second to last interview, there was a revelation and his version of events changed. He told police he had taken her to the forest, to Gishburn Forest, in the, to, in the forest of Boland for a picnic, and she had bet him he could not hit a drink can with an axe that was using that he was using to chop wood. I went for the tree at the side of her and I hit her in the head, he told officers. He went on to claim that she'd been hit with the back of the axe and she had no other injuries, but the court heard a post-mortem examination showed she was struck an estimated 12 times in the head with a weapon. Of course, the uh, post-mortem examination showed that she was struck 12 times and his claim was completely impossible. Uh, if you'd like to comment about any of these stories, I welcome it. Should there be a law against axes in England? A law against having knives? What could be done to stop this? I'm seriously asking. The holiday season is very stressful. It's also very dangerous. There's a recent report on our website about the danger of water beads. Please do not buy your children any water beads toy, any gun, any... um. Autism toy, any sensory toy, until you read that article, please. I'm not saying don't do it. Please read the article and know the dangers. We're going to do a follow-up tomorrow of the children that were injured. Uh, one was currently in the hospital. We're going to check up on that family and see how that child is doing. And we're going to do, have that on the show tomorrow. Phone number is 325-261-0892. You're listening to Midnight Radio. We have a daily broadcast and we have a YouTube channel. Please like, please subscribe. It's really encouraging. It keeps this show on the air.
That does it for today. Till next time, all my best. <laughs>